Hi, I'm Russell Hornsby. I plays Hank Griffin on NBC's Grimm. I'm coming up next on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Get ready. It's time for another episode of On Screen and Beyond, the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This is episode 230 of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zimrak, and this week we have a guest for you, one of the stars of Grimm from NBC's show. It's a hit show, good show. And Russell Hornsby is going to be coming in today, and he's going to be talking with us here at On Screen and Beyond. And uh, Russell has also been uh, on Gideon's Crossing. He was on Lincoln Heights and just so many other shows, but he's the star of Grimm. So get ready for that. He's going to be coming our way in just a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. And uh, we'll be getting into, of course... The remake Madness, and that's going to come up in just a minute. But I want to remind you that if you have a suggestion for a guest, go ahead and email it to us at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com, and we'll see what we can do about getting that person on here at On Screen and Beyond. Listen to their story. And if you are on Facebook, we'd love it if you could uh, like us. If you are on iTunes, if you would turn around and leave a little remark, a little uh, uh, review or whatever they want to call that thing, and uh, just leave that there so uh, more people uh, will know about us. Because the more you put on the, those reviews on iTunes, just go to On Screen and Beyond, you'll search it, and you can find it on iTunes. And uh, then you turn around and you uh, click something, and it brings you where you can make ads, tells you you can leave a review and everything. So just do that, and uh, just leave a few words, kind words if you could, but uh, whatever. We'd appreciate that. Help us uh, get more people to listen to On Screen and Beyond. And if you're going to be purchasing something, and uh, it's going to be from one of the sponsors that we have here at OnScreenAndBeyond.com, uh, go ahead and uh, you know just go to our site first. Click on their ad and go to their site, and then just uh, make your pur- purchase like you would normally. And um, it'll help us out. We get a little credit for that, so we appreciate it if you could do that. And uh, we'll keep bringing you some more great interviews here at On Screen and Beyond. we got a nice lineup coming your way, so I hope you're going to keep listening. And uh, what do you say? We'll get right into it. It's time for Remake Madness here at On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness. Well, we got a couple of good ones here. Uh, an updated remake of 1987's Brave Little Toaster is headed down the remake path. And this version will be CGI and live action so that sounds kind of interesting and a remake of the french canadian comedy film called starbuck which we've talked about before we have an update it's going to star vince vaughn and it's about a man who discovers he has over 500 kids through his sperm bank donations over the years now if that doesn't sound like a vince vaughn movie i don't know what does coming up next on on screen to be on upcoming new movies Upcoming new movies, the movie The Big Wedding with Robin Williams and Robert De Niro, Diane Keaton, Catherine Heigl, Topher Grace, and Susan Sarandon, and many, many others will be released on April 26th 
2013. And look for Daniel Radcliffe and Juno Temple and Joe Anderson. Now, of course, Joe has been a guest here at On Screen and Beyond. You can go back into the rerun section of onscreenandbeyond.com and hear his interview. Uh, but they're all going to be starring in Horns, and that's a supernatural thriller. And look for Renee Zellweger. She's going to be starring in and directing a comedy about the New York City stand-up comedy scene, and it's called Four and a Half Minutes. That's it for upcoming new movies next on On Screen and Beyond, taking you down to Sequel City for sequels coming your way. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Sequel City, they never stop. Fox will be taking us back to Rio in Rio 2 on April 14th of 2014. And you can look for Ted 2. It's now on the fast track over at Universal. So we'll see how quickly that one comes out. And a sequel to The Bourne Legacy is also in the works. That is it for Sequel City. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as TV on DVD? We got it. It's next right here on On Screen and Beyond. TV on DVD, well, on December 11th, CBS and Paramount will release a 56-disc collection of JAG, the Complete Series Collector's Edition. That's a good one. And on December 4th, Titanic, Blood and Steel, with Kevin Ziegers and Nev Campbell will bring the 12-part TV miniseries to Blu-ray and DVD and digital download from Lionsgate. And on October 23rd, The Fugitive, the most wanted edition, the complete series, hit stores starring David Jansen, and it's all from the classic TV show, The Fugitive. That is it for TV on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, we have movies on your way on DVD. It's next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Movies on DVD, well, The Master, in theaters right now with Philip Seymour Hoffman, comes to DVD and Blu-ray in January. And The Dark Knight Rises with Christian Bale as the Cape Crusader arrives on DVD and Blu-ray in December. And Hope Springs, the comedy with Meryl Streep and Tommy Lee Jones also hits stores in December. So be sure to check those out. That is it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, my guest is one of the stars of Grimm, Russell Hornsby, who plays Hank Griffin on the show. Uh, he's coming up next right here at On Screen and Beyond. He's got a lot to talk about. He's been in a lot of different shows, and we're going to talk about the the show Grimm because uh, if if you haven't seen that show, you've got to watch it. It's a very intense show. It's a really good show, too, so check it out. It's on NBC, and uh, new episodes are going to be coming up uh, this week, I think it is, and uh, you can catch Hank Griffin, who, of course, is actually Russell Hornsby, and he's next right here on On Screen and Beyond.
Today on On Screen and Beyond, my guest is an actor who you may remember as Dr. Aaron Boise on Gideon's Crossing or as Eddie Sutton on Lincoln Heights, but he can now be seen each week as one of the stars of NBC's Grimm in the role of Hank Griffin. It's Russell Hornsby. Russell, thank you for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. Why, well, thank you for having me. You know, Russell, Grimm is, is such a hit, and your character is evolving more and more. Things are good for you right now. <laughs> well, the show is a hit. It's a, I think it's a, it's a surprise hit uh, to everybody, uh, and the network, NBC uh, in, included. Um, I, I know we all felt like we had a good show uh, as far as shows go, but uh, nobody thought that it would catch on and, uh, and, and, and be so popular as it has become. Mm-hmm. People are talking about it all the time. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, you know, we, we went to uh, we went to Comic Con uh, this year, and I was I was almost terrified by uh, the the response from the fans. You know, um, they were just that they were fanatics. I mean, it was great, but uh, it's something. I mean, I had never been to Comic Con before. No, I had been. We, we went to Comic Con last year, but we did not receive the uh, the, the adulation and and uh, as we had gotten this year. So it was um, a little scary. But uh, but a lot of fun. Yeah. Now, is that different from when you've been on the other shows that you've been on? I mean, you've been on a lot of a lot of good shows, and uh, you've had some good roles. Uh, but is is does the sci-fi uh, twist to it sort of add something to the to the group of fans who watch you? I I, I, I think so. I, I mean, I think you know. Of course, you know the, the sci-fi genre. You know, shows always bring their own set of fans, their own set of its own set of fanaticism. Um, and, and this is my first real uh, experience uh, with this type of show, and I think that that's what adds to the popularity, and what, what I think adds to my popularity and my notoriety, and you know, in my relationship to the show, mm-hmm. because you know, I've I've been I've been in the, the business for over ten years, yeah. and I've never, I mean, people know who my who I am now. You know, a lot of <laughs> you know people come up to me, they actually know my name. Versus, right. Oh, you're that guy, and what's that show again? <laughs> or you know, aren't you an actor? Uh, you know, I, I get to, I'm constantly getting you know stopped to say, hey, Russell Warnsby, hey Hank, we love Grimm, we love you. It's you know, so that's something different than what I've ex- ever experienced in the past, yeah. and uh, I think it's uh, exciting. But it's it's fun, but it, it can be a little scary. I'm but, sure. Uh, I'm embracing it at the same time. Yeah, right? yeah. Your name on the show is Hank Griffin. A griffin, of course, is a creature of myth. You know, with a lion's head and the wings of an eagle, mm-hmm. and it's also a powerful, majestic creature. Now, do you think yeah. the writers did that on purpose? Gave you that name, or is it just a coincidence? Well, I think it, it's somewhat coincidental, but I think it just, I, I believe that it just kind of relates to the strength of my character. Mm-hmm. That's what I believe. I don't think it has any sort of um, uh, mystical, you know, uh, relation to it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, I just think that, you know, I'm, Hank is, that is strong, is powerful, and that's, and that's sort of uh, how I play my character. You yeah. know, but I, I don't think it has. I don't believe it has any relation to the show. Um, I often, you know, I often joke. I say, you know, Dave, you know, D- David and I, you know, when we, as working together, you know, we when we work together, I see Jerry Mathers and he sees the bees. You know what I mean? So he's he's that guy who sees all the creatures and stuff like that, and I just deal with with the reality. But mm-hmm. um, 
But yeah, no, no. I just think it's just a coincidence. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you have much input into your character, or is it strictly what the writers are doing? It, 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 well, I think it's more. The, I don't have any influence or input as far as the the, the backstory of the character mm-hmm. or where the character goes, but but how I choose to play him, um, sort of his uh, his rhythms, his textures. That's that's me. I think that they sort of look to me to. Um, Put all the all the minutia and the grace notes into it to fill in all the blanks. Yeah. So that's that's what I add to it. Um, but but as far as what they you know where the character goes as far as uh, the personality or um, how they're building the character in terms of the backstory and stuff like that that's all right. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you that the episode where the first time you see one of the creatures and he knocked you over and you fell down. Uh, yeah. You you played that to the to a T. I mean, the look on your face was so convincing. <laughs> Thank you. That, that, that was, a, it was a you know, crazy scene to shoot. I mean, it, the thing is, is that you, you never know, you know, how, you know, you know, when you do it, that's probably the hardest thing to, to do is to react, mm, you know, oh. in, in those type of situations. I mean, I've never seen a ghost before. Right. I've never seen a creature before. The only thing, that I can remotely relate is being scared of a dog when I was seven years old. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's it's hard because you don't you don't want to you don't want to you know sort of overreact and then you end up looking almost it's almost like cartoonish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's a very delicate balance and a fine line as to you know how you play those type of moments. Yeah. Well, you did a very convincing gasp and <laughs> and, and, mm-hmm. and looking scared on that. Well, th- thank you. Now, with the show, was it like a cattle call for this, or were they looking for you, or how did that work? Well, no, it's, you know, we, it was, it was during what they call pilot season, mm-hmm. and basically what happens is, you know, on average, you know, every year, every actor, there's, there's always about 15 to 20 dramatic scripts out there every season, and you sort of, every, you know, agents and managers sort of comb through all the scripts, as well as the actors, and you see if there's a fit. And if you're lucky, honestly, if you're lucky, out of those 15, 20, maybe even 25, you're lucky if you if there's five scripts that you can be remotely right for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, so in that, you know, you sort of say, okay, these five, okay, I'm, I'm going to go for it. And I, I really like the writing. I love the concept of this show. And I knew that if I were to get, you know, to, to get a role on the show, I would be very fortunate and very lucky. Um... But as far as, it's just one of those things, it's a luck of the draw, it really is. You just kind of go in there, you audition, and they they sort of want to see how, if you can fit in to their equation, you know, in terms of your ability, I think your personality, how you match up to the other actors, you know. I mean, David was, was, uh, was cast first, so I think they wanted to sort of see what our dynamics would be as well. So you sort of match people up, too. So he and I... You know, obviously have good chemistry, and so that was probably one of the deciding factors. Oh yeah, the chemistry. You can you, you seem to be really good friends. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, no. We guys, you know, we get along. But also, I think it, it helps that our, our because we have a good chemistry because we're so different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If that makes any sense. No, you I know? understand. Yeah. And, and and so you know, opposites attract, if you will. So yeah. I think we both sort of appreciate the, each each other's, you know personality traits and, you know, sort of who we are as individuals as, I mean, I think as people, you know what I mean? So right. I think, and there's a level of respect for who we are as people 
So I think that kind of helps the work as well. Now, have you... Sort of translates on, on screen. Yeah. Have you finished all the episodes for this year? Have you wrapped, or are you still in the oh, process? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, say, so you we're, we're about a quarter, about a third of the way through, a little over a third of the way through. We, we, we shoot until April 15th of next year. Oh, okay. So you got a ways to go. Yeah, no, 22, uh, 22 episodes, you know, eight days uh, shoots take, take, a, take quite a little bit of time. Yeah, so you have a full 22 episode run. Yeah. Yeah, wow, that's a lot of shows. <laughs> oh, yeah. So now, do you know all the scripts through those uh, twenty-two, or do they give them out just as you're doing them, or how does that work? Right, the writers don't even know all the scripts. Oh, they haven't even got that far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think you know. They, I think that we and we. I think I look at the stories. I look at each script as like a like you know each script is like a breadcrumb. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we're just trying to get to the end, and they don't really inform us much as to sort of where the story is going or where our character is going. They, you know, they're very general about it. Yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> so as we get each script and as we open up and just read through each script, we're being informed about the story. We're being informed about our characters almost just like the audience is. So mm-hmm. we're, we're learning week to week as to, you know, where we're going uh, in the story. Yeah, I can picture these writers. They probably don't even know where to go with it. They, you know, they're getting together and saying, "Okay, what are we going to do now?" <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you know, and so it's, you know, it's funny because they don't know. They always like sort of keep everything secret. You know, yeah. instead of just saying they don't know, they go, "You know, we can't tell you." Really. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be special. It'll be great. You're going to love it, kid. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> now, is is there a certain direction that you would like to see your character go in? Do you? I mean, do you want to become a uh, see your character develop uh, more like a, a grim or or how would you? No, you know what? I, I like the fact that my character is on the outside looking in and is very inquisitive. I like the idea that you know Hank is is a layperson. You know, sort of just finding out what this world is about and sort of figuring out what his niche is, like where he fits in and mm-hmm. how, you know, how will he best serve uh, as, a, as a police officer in this new dynamic that he's discovered, yeah. you know? Um, because I think that's, I think, because as I think what's, what's happening is what, what we're going to see develop is we're really going to see their partnership develop and as these stories grow into sort of grim tales and seeing creatures morph and change, we're, I think we're going to get down into a dynamic where it's really going to be also about being great detectives, you know? And I think at, the, at, our, at our core, that's who we both are. He's a grim and a detective, and I'm a detective who, uh, who understands those people. So we want to still, we, I don't think we want to sort of leap out too far into this, this sci-fi grim world and not, and not sort of keep it sort of as, as steep in reality as we possibly can. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's like I, I can't, basically I can't start levitating just yet. Right. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? I have to keep my feet on solid ground and sort of work with what I'm in the parameters of sort of my knowledge as a layperson of this grim world and how I can apply my expertise into solving crimes and at the same time sort of, you know, finding a way to sort of understand and uh, you know, better understand these, this grim world as well. Yeah, and I think the writers did a great job with your character at first thinking he's he's going crazy, basically. Yes. And, and, yes. The, and the way they develop that, and then finally you're told that, yes, this is real. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, 
it's interesting. I mean, I think, and he said it early on in, in the first season, I think it was like after like episode five or six, he said things are getting weird. You know, this city, this, this city is getting weirder and weirder, I think was the line. Mm-hmm. And I think for the longest time, Hank was just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah. And, you know, I sort of use the, I, I, I sort of make it analogous to, to the crack epidemic, if I may. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, because I think that, you know, I've talked to a lot of police officers and my family is in law enforcement. And in that early, mid-80s, when crack first hit, people didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. And I think people at that time were thinking, and they were thinking, this, that this, this town, this city, you know, the criminals have changed. They're, you know, there's a new... Uh, there's this epidemic that's hit. We don't know what it is. Right. And I think there was like a six-month, at times a six-month to a year period, where people were saying to themselves, police officers, law enforcement, were saying, what is going on? Yeah. yeah. And so when that hit, when they realized, oh, the other shoe that dropped, which is crack, it goes, okay, now we know what it is. Now let's figure out how to fight it, how to, you know, how to solve some of these problems and how to fight this epidemic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the same time, I think, you know, a lot of people would say, you know, a lot of those people, they, they became monsters in their own rights a lot of those Right, yeah, too. yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I, I look at it as like that, that those, these, you know, that crack had, you know, had turned people into, into sort of a demonic, you know, personalities themselves. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good know? analogy, so that, I think that's where, Hank, so I, that's where I sort of liken it to. yeah. Did you always wanted to be an actor? You know what? Uh, yes, I, I mean, and, and then sometimes you're embarrassed to admit that, but um, at the same time, this this is sort of the direction my blood has always been in uh, is is being an actor. Uh, you know, I'm in my late 30s, and you know, I started acting in high school at 16. Yeah. You know, um, and this is this is this has been my life's journey. You know, to 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 be an artist who performs. Yeah. Um, you know, I started out doing theater, still loved the theater, still, still consider myself a theatrical, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and want to get back to that, you know, at some point, uh, but, but really value and appreciate, uh, this opportunity that I have right now. Yeah. Did you always want to be in theater or was the ultimate goal to get to movies or TV or whatever? Well, you know, like every kid you know you 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 start off by saying i'm going to be a star you know what i mean (laughs) and you know as you get older and as you realize sort of you know immerse yourself in the business and as you are humbled uh it it becomes just simply about working you know what i mean right it becomes simply about being able to get a job and being able to carve out some type of career for yourself and i have been exceedingly blessed and, and had the good fortune to be able to do that um, and so, you know, that's where I am. I mean, you know, I thought, I think like, you know, 10 years ago, I sort of lost that idea of I'm going to be a star. If that happens, great. But really the victory, Brian, is, is being a working actor. And dare I say, being a, you know, an African-American male who is in, who has been able to work in this business as long as I have, it, it's, that even humbles me even more. So... I look at all of these, you know, opportunities that I've been afforded as just continued blessings. And, you know, it's not lost on me that I'm here. And so I take it as a, I have a, a responsibility and, you know, a, and a, a 
a lot of opportunities that others don't have. Yeah. Do you remember what your first uh, TV or, or movie role was? My first TV role was ever. I had a I had a small part on the original Law and Order. Ah, yeah. Okay. And my first paid uh, TV gig. Um, I think it was like episode. It was like it was called Marathon. It was like episode twenty. In 1999 or something crazy like that, mm-hmm. and and I played a guy named Ruiz, uh, and they had written it for a Hispanic and Puerto Rican, but you know they got a brother, and um, and then in the same year, literally I think like a month later, I had a small like five episode arc on a show called Wonderland that didn't last long, and then and this all happened in '99. Then I got a job on Meet the Parents, and so those were like. Three jobs back to back to back. Yeah, uh, that I got while at the same time I was doing the play. So huh. it, was, it was fun. Yeah. Know? Now, how was it that first time when Law and Order came on? Did I mean? Did you get your friends all together to watch that episode so you could see yourself, or you know, what did you do? <laughs> you know, I didn't, and I, you know, and that's the thing for me. And I, I've never sort of been one to sort of laud my exploits or my, you know, what I mean, my job. I just, I've always been. For me, the victory has always been doing it, and so. I think one time when I when my first series, which was Gideon's Crossing, premiered, mm-hmm. I had one. Um, I had a I had a viewing party, and uh, for the for the premiere my night of that, and that was the first and last time I've ever done that. Yeah. And because I've always come from the notion of, and this was taught to me by some old stage stage veterans, that you have to act like you've been there. Uh-huh. And I always felt that you know. You know, it, it is interesting because it, it, it is sort of you take it as a cue from others, and it, I don't necessarily, not necessarily proud of it. But sometimes what you learn is like people aren't as happy for you as you would hope they they are. So it's always best just to kind of move forward and you know again act as if you've been there before, and not make too much of a big deal out of it because the victory is the fact that you are working, yeah. and if if people choose to watch you or choose to come support you, it's all the better. But if not, I think one has to be secure within themselves and happy with the victories that sort of you make along the way. And you can't look for validation from others, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, it, and it doesn't really matter who it is, you know. It's like, um, and so that's why I, I kind of learned that early on, you know, having been, you know, at, at times let down by other people because they didn't react the way I would have hoped they would of the job that I got uh, or, you know, an opportunity that I was afforded that they, that they weren't or, or whatever. So I just kind of, I keep all my victories to, to myself in their mind, yeah. you know, and if, if somebody wants to celebrate it with you or congratulate you, I, I receive that. But if not, it has to be for me. Yeah, well, there are a lot of people out here. I'll tell you that are they're cheering you on because uh, they, we enjoy what you're doing now. That's for sure. <laughs> oh no, and it, and it's great, and I and I really and I feel that, and I embrace that. When I when I go out in public, when I travel a lot with my wife, there. Are, I mean, but see, that's what I'm saying. That's but those are the victories, right? Because when you see somebody's face, when they when they see you or recognize you, and they have been you know impacted positively by by your work on stage or screen. That's the victory. You mm-hmm. understand what I mean? Yep. And so, again, it's not. It's about how people um, are affected or received by your work, not about the job itself. Yeah. yeah. And that's and, that, and that's the distinction I make. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about the validation you want to get from your friends or your peers, 
it won't come, but the validation comes from those who just appreciate your work and appreciate you as an artist. Yeah. That's the victory, and that's the validation that says you are on the right path. Yeah. And I might never see those people ever again in life, but right. that brief exchange that we had, that's who says I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, you pl- you played a role on a short-lived show, uh, show called P- uh, Playmakers, right? Yes. Uh, and now you were playing a running back on that show, correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah, the ESPN's Playmakers. That was their first uh, stab at the dr- original dramatic program. Yeah. Did, now, had you ever played uh, football back in high school or anything? Yeah, you know, back in high school, you know, of course, like in, in my dreams, I was everybody's All-American, but, you know... <laughs> Uh, reality sets in; it speaks for itself. But no, this was this was sort of uh, a, a dream of mine, just to you know to play football uh, at a professional, in quotations, level. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a lot of fun. You know, we're playing sports, and I'm I'm still a sports fan. Um, don't participate as much as I used to, just because you know the body just doesn't respond. <laughs> but. Um, but no, no. So Playmakers was a uh, was quite a journey for me. It was a lot of fun, and and it was somewhat. It was a dream come true. I feel like that was. I felt like I was able to sort of live out sort of the, the true essence of my youth mm-hmm. by doing that show. It's like you either do. It's like when you're young, you either play like the sex symbol guy or you play like the athlete. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I since I got a chance, like you know, I never got an opportunity to do like a James Dean type role or something you know, wild one kind of role. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a chance to, like, be, like, some cool athlete, you know. Yeah. That, that I can look back and go, you know, when my kids, when I'm all, you know, fat and bubbly, I can look at my kids and look at your dad. I used to have a kid. <laughs> you know. So, or, you know what I mean, like, I was, you know, or I was, like, your dad used to be a sex symbol. He used to be, a, you know, mm-hmm. great. So I think that's sort of, uh, so I got to live that out, which was fun. Yeah, yeah. In Lincoln Heights, you had a good run on that show. Was that a good show to work on? It was a fantastic show to work on, I think. You know, because I was able to sort of, to represent my community, I think. And that that was the most important thing for me. Uh, That was the most sort of gratifying aspect of it. I I had an opportunity to become sort of the new standard of fatherhood in, in, in I think, in the African-American community, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, you know, portraying a, a, a man, a black man who uh, is part of the, you know, law enforcement and chooses to make a conscious decision to go back and serve his community yet again yeah. and bring his family back into the, their community and say, I'm going to be a part of change. I'm going to be a part of the solution instead of the problem. I'm going to see if, how I can lift if I climb, you know what I mean, uh, mm-hmm. pay it forward, all of that kind of, all of those things. Um, I think that's what the show represented. It represented a deep-seated consciousness and, and humanity. And um, we had it, and honestly, Brian, in, in African-American community, and from a dramatic standpoint, 
we hadn't seen that type of image uh, for for black men to sort of uh, to emulate and to you know to to, to receive. Mm-hmm. And it was great. Yeah. On that show and on Grimm, you're playing a detective. Did you research that a lot? Or you mentioned that you had uh, relatives who were in the, the police field. Uh, so did you have to talk to people about that to sort of get into that role? Well, I did. When I, when I first started, it, it first started when I did a show called Haunted with Matthew Fox back in 2002. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I have one of my uncles is, is a, uh, a judge in the Roxbury District Court of uh, Boston, Massachusetts. And uh, another one is a is a constable. So I would go back a, a lot to Boston, and they would set up my, with ride-alongs, you know, police ride-alongs, mm-hmm. yeah. and you're just seeing what law, you know, what police officers have to do on a daily basis, what they have to do uh, in reaction to different personalities and different attitudes, um, you know, what it's like to have to evict somebody out of their home, you know, all of these things, how to sort of uh, quell uh, a dispute between loved ones, and also but what was most important and most impactful for me was how much humanity you had to have when you're working, when you're a police officer sort of in your own community. Because, see, the thing is, I was sort of, uh, I use as a reference my uncles because they were born and raised in Roxbury, mm-hmm. had, made it, had made it, could have could have chosen to leave their community, but instead chose to stay. Yeah. And so those are my examples because they are my heroes. Yeah. So I wanted to honor them. And that's why it was so right and exact to have for me to play that role because I had such role models, firsthand role models, you know, in that. So, yeah. so, that, I mean, so that, that's what you take on. Yeah. And, but, again, it's about the humanity and how you communicate with people. Yeah, it's a tough you know, job, um, that's for sure. Yeah, so, I mean, that, but I think that was the biggest thing that I learned about being a police officer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about being able to draw your weapon. It's not about being able to put handcuffs on somebody, say, free. You know, it's actually about how well you're able to communicate for these, to these people to help them understand what they did wrong and how can we, what, how can we go about rectifying the situation. Right, yeah. yeah. Well, Russell, I want to finish up with two questions. Yes, sir. More relaxed, uh, questions that are are more personal. The first one is when you just sit back and relax, what are your favorite shows now and what were your favorite shows in the past? When I sit back, I do do watch television to to sort of keep abreast of what's uh, what's on TV. I think actually television is is at a a real lovely renaissance right now. Um, And so... I watch. I watch. I mean, I just got into uh, Breaking Bad, like literally the day before yesterday, mm-hmm. and yeah. I, I, I think I've watched. I watched the first season in like a day. Wow! <laughs> and I'm on to the second season. I think I'll have all five seasons done by like the end of next week. Wow! <laughs> but um, so I'm loving that. I love Mad Men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I really my favorite show probably on television right now is probably Boss. Kelsey Grammer. Mm, um, you know, I think first of all, the writing is exquisite. Uh, the, the the passion and the pain and the character draw uh, how all the characters are are really fleshed out. I really love, and um, you know, it just and it all it just it makes you feel something. Yeah, you know what I mean. It causes you to react, whether positively or negatively. Like you feel something. I don't feel as if I'm being entertained. 
I feel as if I'm being drawn in and I'm living it. Right, yep. And that's what I appreciate. It's like, make me feel like I'm alive. Make cause me to react, mm-hmm. whether it be positively or adversely. I want to react to something. I want you to strike a nerve, strike a chord within me to make me, ah, amen, or scream out loud and say, damn you. Right, yeah, yeah. You know, that's what I love about certain shows on television. Um, and, and, but, so, I think that's what I mean. So, we're at a wonderful, a golden era, I think, for for the television drama right now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's for a while there, it was all reality with the the, the fighting yeah. women and all that stuff and they, i think they finally getting back to i mean there's a lot of shows that look very interesting this year <laughs> oh yeah absolutely i can't really wait to sort of dive in and, and, and check out some of those new shows um my favorite show though of all time uh drama has to be the wire uh-huh. uh, okay yeah. i have i have watched all five seasons at least three times wow uh since it's since it originally aired and again, you know, with, with you know, I, and I read the David Simon's Homicide book. Very familiar with his show Homicide, which I thought was a brilliant show as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, very familiar and loved his show The Corner, you know, which um, preceded you know The Wire. And just in terms of how much the, the you know the light he shed on this epidemic, this problem that that is this drug epidemic, that is politics. Uh, that he, how he speaks to, you know, our, our problems in, you know, the newspaper business, how we are, you know, we are no longer, you know, part of the real critical mass and sort of drawing stories. I mean, writing articles that inform people, you know. Right. Um, it's, you know, it's really just always about commentary, mm-hmm. you know, now. Yeah. Yeah. And so just sort of having that distinction, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I loved it. I mean, I just loved it and how... Our, our communities are negatively impacted by government and by politics and by capitalism. And, you know, and how, you know, this, this, this sort of this country has found, you know, rendered a, a whole set of people useless now, which is why we have the prison industrial complex, which is why, you know, we, we don't, there's no industry. So, I mean, all of these wonderful um, issues that he tackled, again, cause you to feel. And think. Right. You know, and that's why I think to this day it's still one of the best, uh, you know, best, you know, shows ever. Yeah. What about movies? What are your favorite movies of all time? Um, and, and so, you know, this, I, my favorite movie of all time, and it's crazy, but it is, it's, it's The Wizard of Oz. Ah, yeah, classic. Um, because, you know, I'm a fan of, of, of poetry, I'm a fan of music, mm-hmm. and it's so cleverly written. Without, it's clever, it's witty, it's funny. Without sort of, um, you know, putting without sort of putting quotes around everything they say that we're smart. It just, it just is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm a fan of the, you know the, the musical in that respect. I, I love. Uh, obviously, like everybody else, I, I I'm just in love with The Godfather. Oh yeah, um, yeah. And uh, you know, it's one of those movies you watch over and over again. And you know, I man, I'm I'm like at a loss with, for my movies. I haven't like watched them in so long. Um, wow. Uh, you know, in my oh, you know, my one of my favorite movies. I, I think uh, it's two. 
is uh, Devil in a Blue Dress. Okay, yeah. Um, and I, because you see, things, I, I'm, I'm a real, I'm a real, I was always been a fan of Walter Mosley. Mm-hmm, yep. Um, and all of, you know, all of his mysteries, you know, uh, Socrates Furtlow, Harris Minton, and of course, Easy Rollins. And, and, and that whole um, Easy Rollins series. Because the thing is, for me, I like, I, you know, I like what I do with our swim. We have these wonderful stories told about us. And that was the first time that I saw a movie that was made where we had so much humanity and so much dignity, and all at the same time, there was so much variety in how we lived and what shaped us as people of color. And so I think for the first time, that was um, that was brought to the screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, in a in a in a classic way. Yeah. You know, um, and it being you know, of course being written and directed by people of color was something that I could really appreciate, and we don't get enough of that. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, and it's just some, a story about an everyday guy who has, uh, who is, you know, in, who is uh, troubled by conflict, you know, and has to decide, is he going to do the right thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so just, you know, this old kind of, you know, those, those types of movies. Uh, there are many more that I can't... Uh, that I can't reach for right now. Right. But, uh, well, th- that's always the hardest question. I ask that at, on every interview, and that seems to be the hardest question because people, you know, it sort of jumps at them, and, and they're not... Well, there's so many. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, you, and you love each movie for different reasons. You know right. what I mean? And, and you know, I mean, it's like, uh, you know, like, there are, you know, there are, I just got sort of started to get into the genius, uh, you know, that is Woody Allen. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I had really never watched him, uh, watch any of his movies really. Yeah. And just, you know, the, the, you know, the, uh, and so that is Woody Allen films. And then there's all of like, uh, Scorsese's films that, that I really like. And that I have to like, that I watched, you know, 10 years ago when I didn't ha- have a, a true understanding and knowledge of film. Right. Yeah. You know, that you start that you read, that you watch over again, you go, Oh my gosh. This is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And you can appreciate it that much more. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> you know, so it's like I have to, it's like there's all these movies that I watch, again, like I said, like Goodfellas. Like when it came out, I was like a junior in high school. Mm-hmm. And then so you watch, I've, I've watched it countless times since, and there's like always something new. Yeah, yeah. You know, because, you know, first you're watching it for the acting, and then, you, then when you learn more about writing, then you're listening to the writing, and then you read the screenplays, right? And then, and then you go back, and then oh! But now when you're working more, you you understand camera angles, yeah, and shots. You know, oh my gosh, that was a wonder. Yeah. Now, have you ever thought of going into directing or, or writing? I've, I have. I thought of going into directing. I, I really, um, I sit sit by the you know by the uh, by the feet of a lot of directors who come on set and just pick their brains. Mm-hmm. Um, I sort of do my own shot list uh, of of, cert, of uh, selected scenes out of each script. Yeah. And then what I'll do is I, I confer with uh, with directors about uh, about w- what my ideas are and about what their ideas are and why. Mm-hmm. And understanding that sometimes you have to take, make it, take an economical approach. Um, you know, so because, you know, they're trying to save time, they're trying to save money. So the certain shots that you know, if we didn't, if we had all day, if this were a movie, this is the shot we would do. 
Right. But since it's television, we have to do this shot. Or since we have a, a time crunch, we have to do this shot. And just kind of learning those um, dynamics has really been an education in its, in, its, in, its, in, its, in its own. Because I think when you're not really, when you haven't, you know, worked on, when you haven't directed, you haven't, like, worked on camera a lot or worked with the camera a lot, mm -hmm. you, you're always thinking about it, shooting it like a movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that's your first instinct. Your first instinct is to say, oh, man, I saw this great shot. I want to, you know, redo that shot. And then, you know, you talk to the director. They go, oh, yeah, you picked that shot from Lawrence of Arabia. Well, we can't do that. I know the shot you're talking about. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. They go, yeah, no. You, I, you know, I thought about that, too. That's all, you know, that was the first shot I wanted to do. But then I realized we have to do this shot in two hours. So, like, right. Yeah. Jeez. Um, so that's just it's, it's part of the learning curve. But the thing is, I am not as pressed to do to go into directing as much as I am to sort of fulfill my uh, my desires as an actor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, um, I, I really just love being a part of the storytelling as, as, as it stands as being, for, you know, from the standpoint of being an actor. Yeah. Uh, I just really right now have not exhausted my love of performing. Mm -hmm. Well, that's you good. Know. That's good for us. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because yeah, we enjoy seeing you on the screen. That's for sure. Well, I appreciate that. So that, you know, so it'll be a while yet before I sort of uh, ease on down that road. Yeah. Well, Russell, I want to make sure that everybody, if they haven't seen Grimm, that they should definitely watch it because it's such a good show, and uh, you guys are just doing a great job on that, and we hope it continues for, for many years more. I thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Brian, the pleasure is all mine. Have a great evening. Russell Hornsby, great guy and a great guest. And I want to thank him so much for taking the time to talk to us here at On Screen and Beyond. I hope you enjoyed that. And if you get a chance, Grimm, that's the TV show that he's on. Hank Griffin is his name on the show. And he does a great job in that character role. And uh, we hope he keeps going because Grimm is in its second season. And uh, we just want to keep it going because it's a good show. Check it out it's on NBC. It is just about time to wrap up another episode of On Screen and Beyond. And uh, before we go, I want to remind you that if you have a suggestion and you want to send it to us, feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com is the address to send it to. I will get that email, and I love hearing from you. People send me emails from all over the world, love hearing from them, and I enjoy looking at each one. And I will answer you, too, if you have a question or something you want to, want to say. So uh, go ahead and do that. And uh, as I said earlier, if you have a chance... And uh, you're going to be buying online. If one of the places you are going to buy online is one of the sponsors of On Screen and Beyond, if you go to our website and uh, you see it, just click on there to go to their site to buy what you're going to do, and it'll help us out here at On Screen and Beyond. So we'd appreciate that. Uh, more and more people are doing that, and we uh, really do appreciate it because it helps. So it helps me get some new equipment and things like that. So uh, guess that's about it. It is time for another wrap of this episode of On Screen and Beyond, the 230th episode. We're still going strong. We've got many more coming your way. We've got some great guests coming your way next week and uh, even more after that. So I uh, hope you're going to stick around. Thank you for joining us. And I hope you'll join me next week when we once again bring you On Screen and Beyond. I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care. <laughs>